Hey, you're listening to LGBTQ&A. I'm Jeffrey Masters, and today I'm speaking to Asia Kate Dillon, who plays the first character on television to self-identify as gender non-binary. This also makes Asia the first openly gender non-binary actor on TV. Both of those things are really exciting milestones for the LGBTQ community, especially for non-binary people who are so largely unrepresented in mainstream media. So all that's coming up. As always, to everyone who's been leaving comments on iTunes, a big, big, big thank you for that. It is so appreciated. And if you've yet to do that, the time is now. Please take 30 seconds, rank us five stars, and leave a comment on iTunes. It's one of the biggest ways you can help our show to grow. All right, without further ado, here's Asia. Hey, Asia. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk. I'm super excited. Thanks. You've been making a lot of news lately. I certainly have. Yeah, it's been a nice (laughs) response. Uh, For the people who don't know at home, you recently wrote a letter to the Emmys asking them to clarify their stance on the gender delineations between the acting, and they came back with a really nice response. Yeah, so when Showtime reached out to me to let me know that they were graciously going to be submitting me for a nomination for an Emmy, you know, they brought this quandary to me, how, how did I want to be submitted as an actor or an actress? And, you know, it's something I've thought about for a long time, certainly been aware of for a long time, and um, I wanted some clar- clarification from the Academy. So I wrote them a letter and I said, listen, uh, are you using the words actor and actress to mean uh, I- anatomy, as in male or female, or are you using them to uh, define gender identity, man or woman? And if if we're using those words um, to refer to anatomy, respectfully, why is that necessary? And if we're using it to refer to gender identity, then, you know, unfortunately, there's no room within that binary for my gender identity, which is non-binary. And as you said, the Academy responded right away saying that um, the rules have always stated that any performer can enter either category for any reason. And so I chose to be submitted as an actor because that word is from the late 1500s and it's a a non-gendered, non-sexed word. Yeah, I think a lot about how we tend to normalize a masculine form of words, but I like that you clarify saying that this was the word that we had all along, historically. Totally, yeah. And I mean, that's something I learned just simply by looking it up, that actually the, the original definition of the word actor means to do or to perform. That is so funny. I think that also, like, this is kind of, like, from the Emmys, like, that's the best case scenario response today, in 2017. Certainly. I mean, you know, writing that letter, the response could have been any number of things, including sort of the worst case scenario, which is, yes, you have to pick a gender and or, you know, we want to see your birth certificate. Yeah. And it's so nice to encounter a place where that where that isn't what's happening. And actually, you know, the Academy is, is 100% in support of... Um, of me picking the category you yeah. know, that I want. I think, too, like, in the future, we're heading toward a place where they're going to award acting awards to people no matter what their gender is. And this makes me think that we're going to get there a little bit faster than I thought, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited to be... I mean, some people have said that I started this conversation, and I may have been the one that started it publicly, but I'm really excited to see how many people have been having this conversation, you know, in their living rooms or among their friends or what have you, and just to see, you know, what we all think we want to do about this. Totally. And I think we should note, too, like the MTV Movie Awards, Mm -hmm. um, not quite as prestigious, I'll say it. You know, they are are not delineating gender this year. Mm -hmm. I think that's huge. It is huge. You know, the MTV Awards are are unique because they've always done different categories anyway, right? Best hero, best villain, best kiss. So I think it, it, it's um, 
it seems like a natural place for a change like that to occur. Yeah, just one more like step on the ladder, though. Mm-hmm. Totally. totally. Yeah. I think it's so cool that in you identify as non-binary mm-hmm. and you're playing a character that identifies as non-binary. Yeah. That was never possible before, like, 2017. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've said this before. It was a coincidence that I happened to be a non-binary identifying actor playing this non-binary identifying character, meaning that, you know, it would have been inappropriate for the casting directors, producers, showrunners to ask me, you know, my gender identity, just like it would have been for them to ask me my sexual orientation or something like that before an audition. Um, But once I was cast in the part, you know, it was certainly a conversation that I had with them saying, like, look, this is one of the reasons I really connect to this character. I have to believe, though, that you brought something to the role, though, you know, like identifying as non-binary. Well, yeah, I, I don't think I can dispute that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just think that, um, I, mean, I, I think that's a, yeah, you're, no, you're right. Well, just that I think ultimately, you know, uh, a casting director, producer, showrunners, they want to cast, you know, the, the best actor for the role. And so I think that had I not been non-binary but still been the best actor for the part I still would have gotten it it's just that this adds an extra like I said coincidental although very significant layer yeah and whether uh, overtly or not it's a great uh, to hear that they were seeing non-binary actors Oh, yeah. I mean, they saw actors the from door. the entire spectrum. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, like, amazing to hear because mm-hmm. that's not always been the case. Totally. And, um, yeah, and watching the show, I just think about the young non-binary kids watching it mm-hmm. and seeing themselves mm-hmm. and, like, how, like, powerful that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've gotten, you know, I've said this, too, but I've gotten messages even, I think, up until this morning, it's just increasing, which is incredible, messages from people all over the world of of all different kinds of ages, but primarily young people saying like, oh my gosh, there's someone like me out there in the world and I feel less alone. You know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, some of it runs really, really deep. Not not having anyone that you can identify with that feels like you um, can be incredibly isolating. And, and I, I know how that can feel. Yeah, and now they also have these like cultural references too. You know, if it's a kid in school saying, oh, I'm non-binary, mm-hmm. instead of, well, what is that? It's like, Oh, it's like that actor from that TV show. Totally. Oh, we love them. Yeah. I mean, I haven't had anyone put it that way yet. It's really, it's gratifying. It's humbling. I'm really proud. Cool. That's awesome. Is it, is it like scary being like the only one so far? No, not at all. um, It's exciting for me because I am also going like, where are the other, where are my other non-binaries, you know? And I'm fine to sort of be like the first person at the party being like, all right, when's everyone else getting here? And and what are we going to do? Oh, I guess I meant like Hollywood sometimes has trouble um, knowing what to do with like marginalized communities. Ah, got it. Yeah, I feel like, well... You know, it's important for me to say that as someone who was assigned female at birth and is light-skinned, white, I think that um, I'm certainly received better than, you know, people who are assigned male at birth and are people of color. You know, I think that my message of of gender as a spectrum is received better simply because of the color of my skin and the sex that I was assigned at birth. And I'm aware of the privileges associated with that. And I know that we have a lot of work to do. So I'm, I'm... I'm grateful and I'm excited and I have a lot of hope. Yeah. I know. I I think that's great to hear and to say too, because I think you're like the necessary crack. Um, You do present very like androgynously and that can like help lead the way for people of color and hairy bodies and Mm -hmm. brown bodies. Totally. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, we have, we still have this ideal that non-binary only means sort of like white, hairless, androgynous, you know, people. And 
even though, as you said, I do appear androgynous sometimes, uh, and I am white, you know, I, I don't shave my armpits, I don't shave my legs, like, I, you know, I think there's room for every, every body type, every type of expression, but as you're aware and as I'm aware, there's so much work to be done in terms of the trans, non-binary, gender non-conforming um, community when it comes to people of color. Yeah. There, there's not a right or wrong answer, but do you identify being non-binary as trans, like under that umbrella? Yeah, so so transgender simply means that my gender identity does not conform to the sex that I was assigned at birth. And so given that definition, then yes, I am a trans person, you know, uh, and cisgendered people, you know, their gender identity happens to conform to the sex that they were assigned at birth. And I think that um, one of the amazing things about being trans or, or trans people in general is just that we... We've had to look at ourselves and our, our gender identity in, in a very deep way um, and in a way that maybe other people haven't and that other people, now that they're becoming aware of it, they might go, hmm, why do I align my gender identity with my sex? And wow, maybe I don't have to. And what could that mean for me? I think for some people, you know, it can be very scary. And for other people, it's exciting. Yeah. And I was talking about earlier about like the young non-binary kids watching you. But for the other kids that are watching you, it's like, oh, I don't maybe need to like conform so rigidly. Totally. I mean, you know, it, it's one thing to identify as gender non-binary, which is, you know, an identity outside of man and woman. But it's certainly, I mean, I know plenty of cisgendered people, young people who are gender non-conforming, simply meaning, you know, uh, a boy who identifies as a boy but loves to wear dresses and makeup, but still isn't, you know, they're gender non-conforming. It doesn't make them a trans person necessarily. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. And we, we, these labels are new per Mm -hmm. se, but people who have been gender non-conforming have always existed. Totally. I mean, one of the things I'm so fascinated by recently is I'm really interested in going back into the history of non-binary people and saying like, how many people in history have we had that were non-binary, but that didn't know it themselves or because we didn't have the language, couldn't couldn't talk about it. You know, we didn't have the language for the feelings they had. And I know how that felt being a young person not having that language. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated by that in like the South um, Asian culture, which has mm-hmm. like a recognized third gender. Totally. Yeah. I mean, there there are many cultures that recognize any number of gender identities outside of a binary. So it's yeah, it's wild. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Do you know what you're going to like do with that? Or is it just research for the sake of like knowledge? Or, like, are you going to put that into like an art? I know oh. you do like I know. You do theater with like your company. I do, yeah. I have a production company, Mirror Fire Productions, um, which I co-founded with my partner Christopher Hirsch. Um, I haven't thought about that now. That's like <laughs> mulling around in my brain. I mean, mostly it's just research that I've done, okay. just to just to see, you know, who's out there, what's out there, you know, what is the history behind all of this, and who can I connect with? Yeah, I mean, for me personally, it's been such an important part of being okay with myself is just researching the history mm-hmm. and learning that I'm not the only one who's queer, yeah, you know? Totally. Did, did anybody know that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, and it's it's eye-opening. I think it's more difficult as you get, we were talking about labels, mm-hmm. it's more difficult as you go back in history because let's say like Joan of Arc, she cut her hair, she... It's yep. so ama- well, that's the, the number one example that I think yeah. of. Joan of Arc has been someone that I've um, been drawn to my whole life. Um someone that my mother in particular sort of put sort of put books about Joan in front of me from oh, a young funny. age and said like this is someone that I think you might you might connect with um, certainly someone that I've thought about along my journey and been like I wonder if Joan of Arc would have identified as non-binary actually yeah, yeah totally yeah, or, or yeah or just gender or just gender fluid or just something other than you know 
Yeah, I think the the labels are so helpful to let you know that this thing you're feeling has a name and that it's not unique to you. But then they're also so harmful mm-hmm. and that they're constrictive. Totally, it's it's a catch twenty two. It really is. Labels can can be so helpful in helping us define who we are for ourselves. But when other people use those labels to define us without our consent, that's when it becomes, yeah. you know, dangerous. Yeah. A lot of people disagree with me, but I'm on a personal mission to get queer as like the it word, mm-hmm. because to me, it's so inclusive. Mm-hmm. Queer, I've used queer for many, many years simply as an umbrella term to mean like, you know, not straight, not yeah. cis, like just outside of whatever is considered normal quote unquote yes anything that's not 100% straight Mm -hmm. yeah I love that yeah I stole that terminology 100% straight from um, I would tell it right Mm. I would love to take credit for it though (laughs) but um, speaking of labels Mm -hmm. um, what what attracted you to the non-binary label versus like gender fluid or gender uh, gender queer other words sure um well when I looked up the word non-binary and it said an umbrella term for any number of gender identities um, for any for any number of gender identities that fall outside the boxes of man and woman, um, and then it also said, you know, some people may refer to this as being gender fluid or gender queer. Um, I had done some research into the term gender queer, and it's actually I, I'm like still in the process of trying to figure out if that word is still okay to use or not. Actually, um, I've read one side that says, yeah, gender queer just means you're you're queer with your gender and it's not a big deal. But I've also read that it, it is a derogatory term um, that the younger generation doesn't want to use anymore. Oh, fascinating. And I, I will literally say right now, I don't know much about it. I'm, I'm in the process of sort of researching that myself. But I, I do say gender fluid because I experience my gender identity as being fluid because it's on a spectrum. Okay. Fascinating. I, I actually hear the exact reverse mm. where the younger generation is more okay with gender queer. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I I know that from my work with like the Trevor Project and mm-hmm. Glad, we have all these labels and we say that they are all okay because people identify as that. Right. Yeah. You know, it's so like if you were like I'm non-binary, not gender queer, it'd be like okay, fine, whatever you yeah, whatever yeah. you want to be. Yeah. I just can't help but think uh, again, identify the way you want. Like, is there one word being like that would help the movement if it wasn't like four different like labels? Like, or is that kind of non-binary? Interesting. For me, it feels right now like it's non-binary because non-binary to me opens the conversation in a way that it hasn't been opened before, meaning like I think a lot of people and there was a time where I I myself thought this way and I think it's important to, to say that that transgender meant someone who had transitioned. Right. And there is a difference between the word transgender and transsexual. Yeah. And um, amazing. Right. So. I think that um, it's important to say that trans people exist and we are valid whether we choose to transition or not. And people who transition are just as valid as those who don't. You know, it's really up to to anyone to decide what is going to make them feel the most like themselves. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I did not make this to be like a vocabulary lesson, but it's fascinating. No, it's great. Um, you were saying when you looked up the word non-binary, mm-hmm. when was that? When I got the character breakdown for Taylor, for Billions, um, and it said, you know, among other things about the character, female, non-binary. And I thought, aren't female and non-binary, like, aren't those the same thing? I really didn't understand. And so I looked up both of those words and I thought, oh my gosh, okay, female, that's an assigned sex. That's the sex I was assigned at birth. And non-binary is a gender identity. And gender identity and anatomical assigned sex are different. I mean, it really, it was like a like an explosion in my mind. I, I'm exploding in my mind right now that this is so recent for you. Yeah, it, it is. 
you know, me feeling ambiguous about my gender identity has been a lifelong feeling, certainly. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I started removing gendered pronouns from my bios and things like that, replacing it with my name. And that was the beginning of me really understanding that I had I had autonomous control over my identity. But it wasn't until I came across the word non-binary and looked it up that I went, that's the word. That's actually, the, there's actually a word for it. That is such like a powerful moment. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I cried. <laughs> and it's from like the least likely resource, a breakdown. It's, it's from a script written by, you know, two self-identified white, straight, cisgendered men you know, that happen to come my way because my agents know that I, you know, want to audition for projects um, that that are um, important and are supporting and uplifting historically marginalized and historically disenfranchised people. And so when this character came my way, not only was Taylor a fully fleshed out character, which was something I hadn't seen in this way, in this world for any type of queer character, but then the non-binary thing. I mean, it just, it hit home so hard. Yeah. I think, too, like, it, it was so new to you, this word. Not the feeling, but the word. Not the, the feeling, word. but the word, yeah. Um, and I think that is such a, the big example of that was seeing you on Ellen and mm-hmm. explaining to, you know, this member of the LGBTQ community who said she had no idea mm-hmm. yeah. what this was. Yeah, I mean, she, she said it, and I'll just quote Ellen, you know, that people expect just because we're in the community that we know what's up and we know all of these words and it's just not the case. I know. I'm, I'm just so... It, obviously, like, I'm in that bubble, mm-hmm. but I think about how gendered our language is so much. God, yeah. You know, I'll, I'm out with friends and I say, girl, let me tell you, mm-hmm. and the next sentence, my guys listen, guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, within among friends, it's okay, but mm-hmm. among people I don't know, I have to be more mindful. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. I was just having a conversation with a friend about the word... Um, the words policemen and firemen and how my friend is a self-identified man and he was saying to me like well i i think of those words as gender neutral words and i thought right because you are a member of the gender neutral uh gender identity historically so to speak and um but for me someone who grew up being assigned female at birth and used the feminine pronouns for a period of time to me those words felt gendered always it was like fire man well what about what about fire women or fire people or like why does it have to be gendered and so interesting that you know anyone outside of the cisgendered male norm is very aware of the gendered nature of words yeah and i just think too like that is the next revolution and it's so massive Mm -hmm. and all-encompassing that that is kind of why the hesitancy is there Totally. I mean, like I was saying before, I think this idea that trans people bring to the surface, which is like assigned sex and gender identity don't always conform. Like, ah. And I think that for people, like I said, who have always thought, well, I have a penis and that makes me a man or I have a vagina and that makes me a woman. The idea that like your anatomy doesn't make your gender anything other than what you decide that it is, is is profound for anyone to realize whether or not they you know, conform to the sex they were assigned at birth or not. Yeah. And I hope that people eventually see how freeing that is, God, too. Yeah. It's just like the the heavy backpack is like taking off your shoulders. Yeah. I mean, I, I think so much about how, how, you know, if I'm riding the subway or I'm walking down the street and I look at people and I think, gosh, would that person be, I don't know, wearing something different or presenting themselves differently or identifying differently if they felt like they had the autonomy and the freedom to do so? Yeah. As you've kind of exp- not explored your gender but uh, figured out how like put words to how mm-hmm. you experience your gender mm-hmm. has that changed who or expanded who you're attracted to no no it is not no not at all I- I've always um, well 
from the time I came to understand sex and sexual orientation and all of that. Um, I still don't. Well, right. I mean, and it's God. I mean, I'm still, it's a process, right? Sorry, it's a lifelong <laughs> journey. Um, but I, I, um, oh God, I lost it. Uh, who you're attracted to. Oh, yeah. No, so I, I identify as pansexual, and I've always felt like I had the spiritual, emotional, physical capability of being attracted to sort of any gender. So there's nowhere else to go, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know? There's nowhere else to go. I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> you're already all-encompassing. I'm all-encompassing. Um, that's funny. You can, can I ask you why infinity on your neck? Oh, so actually it says Einfühlung, oh. which is uh, the German word for empathy. It means one feeling or into feeling. And um, I knew I wanted to get the word empathy tattooed on my body um, because I think it is the characteristic that makes us uniquely human. And it is the thing that separates us from the monsters, so to speak, the ability to have empathy. And um, so researching, as I like to do, the etymology of words, it turns out that um, in the mid-1850s, these two German philosophers were at the forefront of pushing the argument that said empathy is key for interpersonal relationship success. And at the time that I was considering getting the tattoo, I was in a very tumultuous relationship that was testing my uh, levels of empathy. And um, it just sort of all came together into this beautiful moment where I went, oh my gosh, German. I love the way it looked, and the, and one feeling in two feeling. It's the, it's the first time the Germans are the first people to have that word outside of Latin. It is the empathy did not exist as a word outside of Latin until the Germans put it into their language in the 1850s. That's which, a fun fact. Totally a fun fact, and I think you know many people have said, well, what about you know what about Hitler and and how interesting that the Germans who are you know so known for not being empathetic or whatever. And I say, well, first of all, you have to separate a people from its government. Right. And I, hopefully. Right. <laughs> Look at us. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> and um and on top of that, I think in particular it speaks even more to my message, which is like, right, well empathy is what separates me from someone like Hitler. And it is important to remember that. And the fact that it's on my neck and it's in a foreign language, it engages the conversation because people go like, wait, what does that say? Yeah. And then I get to talk to people about empathy. Wow. That's prime real estate too. Prime real estate, baby. Wow. Yeah. I I have to let you go, but I think that's such a nice place to leave it on. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for this. This was awesome. Thanks. Uh, if you want to find you online, send them to your Twitter. You're on Instagram everywhere at Asia Kate Dillon. Yes. Fantastic. And I'm on Twitter at JeffMasters1. You can also find all of our other interviews on iTunes and YouTube. And if you really want to help us out, please leave us a comment and subscribe on iTunes. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only. They do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 